Coming up next. That's who we are. That's what we hang our hat on. Uh, you know, for me, the biggest statistic that I look at is field goal percentage defense. So we are number one in that category. We want to stay number one. We talk Troy men's basketball with head coach Scott Cross. And you know what? I, I, I think I can give credit to um, she's not a head coach at Illinois, um, Shauna Green. And, uh, you know, Shauna, myself um, and four other coaches, um, when I got the job in 2016, I, I wanted to get uh, like a kind of a peer group that was going through the same stage um, that, that I was going to go through. James Madison head coach Sean O'Regan joins the podcast. All of that and more coming up next. This is the Under the Sun Podcast, your home for news, analysis, and interviews from around Sunbelt men's and women's basketball. Now, here's your host, Jake Griffith. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Jake Griffith. You're locked into the Under the Sun Podcast, where we cover everything as it relates to Sunbelt men's and women's basketball. We've got a great show for you here in episode five. Hard to believe we're at the midway point of the conference slate, eight games in, 10 games to go. And since this podcast comes out on Thursdays before the slate gets going, we'll call this the midway point. It's been an exciting year and things are really shaping up to be a fun finish as we head to Pensacola in the conference tournament. We'll talk to JMU head coach Sean O'Regan, his Dukes a big win over the weekend. We'll also take a look at ESPN's bracketology from Joe Lenardi on the men's side and Charlie Cream on the women's side, see where they have the Sun Belt AQ slated to play. As always, we'll take a look at our Her Hoop Stats stat of the pod. But first, we'll look at the Sunbelt men's side to check on the standings. And now that the dust is settled from the weekend, it's Marshall, Southern Miss, and Louisiana. Those three identical 6-2 and two records atop the conference. Talked last pod about Louisiana and Marshall starting to pull away from the pack a little bit. Raging Cajuns have won six straight games. Marshall, not far behind, five straight Ws. Southern Miss has shaken off that 22-point loss they suffered to Marshall earlier this year. And now Jay Ladner's Golden Eagles, who we had on the first episode of the podcast, they've won three straight games, 17-4 and four overall, just like Marshall, Louisiana, 16-4. and four. Funny enough, within the next couple of weeks, those three teams will all play each other. Southern Miss and Louisiana will play again, this time in Hattiesburg, Later on in February, February 9th to be exact, and on February 4th, Marshall will visit the Cajun Dome down in Lafayette. They'll take on the Ragin' Cajuns, only meeting this year between Marshall and Louisiana. Once those three teams all meet, we'll probably have a better idea of who's going to be the number one overall seed heading into Pensacola at season's end. After that, there's another logjam, three teams with identical five and three records, ULM, Georgia Southern, and the Troy Trojans, who have had a pretty good season this year, 13-8. and eight. They were picked to finish 10th in the preseason Sunbelt Coaches Poll, and they have definitely exceeded those expectations this year. A big win at Florida State earlier in November, a 79-72 victory. And they've played a tough slate. They've played games at Arkansas against SIUE, who right now is projected to win the OVC and go to the NCAA tournament. A game at San Diego State. Really a tough schedule that has prepared 
this Troy team for that grueling stretch, the dog days of conference play. And you look at Troy, they've done it with defense this year, 60th best scoring defense of any team in the country. Defense is absolutely this team's calling card, and it's so great to have our next guest on the show, Scott Cross, the head coach of Troy men's basketball. Coach Cross, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me on. Your Trojans right now five and three, just a game back from the first place spot. A season ago, you went 10 and six in conference play. You were picked to finish last. This year, picked to finish 10th in the preseason poll. I guess I'll, I'll start out with maybe a little tongue-in-cheek question. When are people going to stop doubting your, your bunch and what they're capable of? That's a good question. I mean, my first two years were a struggle. We won nine and 11 games. So I'm still, I'm sure there's still a lot of that going on. And then, you know, we lost uh, three starters off of that team from last year. So I, I, I can see why everybody picked us where they picked us. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we can continue to build something special here. And, uh, you know, but again, the, the rankings don't mean a whole lot. I think it doesn't mean anything to any of the coaches, really. It's just good. It gives everybody something to talk about. We all know that every team in the league is capable, capable of beating every other team on any given night. So it's, in reality, it's whoever's ready to play on that night. Overall, you're 13-8, and eight and, and you've played a, a pretty tough schedule this year. You went on the road, beat Florida State, you know, St. Thomas obviously transitioning to D1, but they've shown they're good in their conference, a game at Arkansas, a game against SIUE. What do you think this schedule does for your team, you know, maybe going forward into the year? How, how do you think it helped them prepare for conference play and postseason time? I mean, we were right in, uh, you know, the big games were Arkansas and San Diego State, and we were right there, uh, you know, with an opportunity to win both of those games, had leads in the second half. Uh, obviously, the Florida State win was a huge confidence builder for the program. Those, those games, you know, they helped us for the game that we're about to play, going to Louisiana, playing in a big arena. You know, they're on a roll. They're a great basketball team, so – you know, playing in those tough environments that we played in, hopefully that's uh, to prepare for a game like this. Yeah, you talked about, you know, going on the road, playing uh, against Louisiana. I'm sure, you know, a game like that needs no sort of hype or motivation in the locker room. The guys the guys really know what's at stake. But in terms of this year's team, when was it about this season that you realized, hey, you know, maybe we've got something special here? Was it into the season? Was it day one when they got to when they got to the facilities? I think probably at some point during the summer, uh, you know, when we went on our trip to Costa Rica, I felt like, you know, we could be special. Uh, the, you know, the way we flew around defensively, I knew we had weapons that guys that could score the basketball. Uh, you know, then obviously it came to fruition when we beat Florida State. Uh, you know, we, it has been somewhat of a roller coaster, but I think, uh, you know, we don't have any bad, bad losses on our record right now. You, you know, the, Teams that we've lost to are all pretty solid basketball teams. We're not losing the 300 net teams. Uh, so the guys have been pretty consistent there. You know, I would say the one disappointing game, and I believe they're a very good basketball team too, is Mercer. But we just, we didn't play defense at all. And so that that game was a little disturbing for me as a coach. And, you know, after Christmas break, we kind of got back to the basics of just spending really all of our time on defense and we became a lot better defensively. Uh, you know, unfortunately we struggled to score probably because we spent so much time on defense. We didn't have any rhythm or flow, but finally, you know, the last two games, 
you know, we've been pretty solid on both ends. Uh, we, you know, we had the lead for 38 minutes against James Madison and then uh, couldn't hang on and let it slip away. And then obviously we had the great win uh, Saturday against uh, Louisiana Monroe where it all came together for us. I've heard the word defense a lot in some of your answers these last couple questions. Right now your team during conference play allowing the second fewest points per game of any team during league play. So just how crucial is defense to the identity of Troy Trojans men's basketball? That's who we are. That's what we hang our hat on. Uh, you know, for me, the biggest statistic that I look at is field goal percentage defense. So we are number one in that category. We want to stay number one. Uh, you know, I think it all matters. Obviously, points matter. Uh, but that that's kind of the one when we're holding teams under 40 percent, I feel like we have a great chance to win. Uh, we're also creating a ton of turnovers. I believe we're number two behind James Madison. Right now, if you look at Kim Palm, we're number one in overall defensive efficiency, which that's kind of the thing that I default to. Obviously, there's some areas we need to get better at. We need to stop fouling as much and do a little bit better job on the boards. But, um, you know, the turn teams over the way we are and hold them to a low percentage, that speaks a lot to our guys and how hard they're playing. Last week's podcast, I had your women's basketball coaching counterpart, Shanda Rigby, on, and she talked about the, the goals. They write the goat, the goat. She talked about the importance of, you know, not just getting it done on the floor, but in the classroom, you know, back when you were a player at UT Arlington, you know, not only were you getting it done on the floor, you got it done in the classroom as well. I had a 4.0 grade uh, average I see in your bio and marketing. So as a coach, how important is it to you to see your guys succeed in the classroom as well? Yeah, that's what they're here for. I mean, the number one most important thing for me is to make sure that they leave when they're done with their eligibility, that they have a degree uh, from Troy University. So that's first and foremost. Obviously, we'd like them to get as high of a GPA as possible because we want to be, you know, take the stairs overachiever type of guys. We don't want to underachieve in anything that we do. Uh, but, you know, again, it all comes down to when they leave here, you know, that you want to use basketball to better yourself. And so uh, they they need to leave here with a degree. All our guys, you know, are on pace to do so. And so that's what it's about. You said take the stairs. That was actually going to be my next question. That's your team's mantra. That's your mantra, the mentality. Where did that come from? So uh, I've always been a guy that never liked elevators. Uh, my staff back in Arlington, back when I first started out, uh, you know, even back in like 2008, I remember we stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. This was the year we actually went to the NCAA tournament and, you know, we would never get on the elevators and we would always make fun of the guys if they did wait around for the elevators because we would be up in our room and already back down and they're still waiting for the elevator. And so it kind of evolved over time, but I think around maybe 2013 is where it kind of became more a mantra and not something that we just made fun of the guys or talked about. And that, that happened. Uh, we came back. I actually think we came back from Troy, if I'm not mistaken, but it was so long ago, I can't really remember, but we came back long road trip in the Dallas Fort Worth area. It was snowing outside. So I'm jogging in the arena and uh, as I'm jogging, all of a sudden the elevator doors open up and like five of my guys got out the elevator. And so I waved, you know, if I see somebody, I usually say hello to them. I try to be friendly, even though people probably say I'm not because I don't smile a lot. I try to be friendly, but I'm running. And then I'm like, oh, that was five of our guys on that elevator. And so I, you know, I 
finish my workout. And then I had a 45 minute commute as I drive home. And so I was thinking, uh, I called up uh, the associate head coach, Greg Young, who's the head coach there now. And I was like, man, is, is this bad? Like I, I'm, I'm fuming over this, but we had five of our guys in the elevator and we had, you know, we've talked to him about taking the stairs and doing the little things. And he's like, yeah, that's bad. And then, you know, I get home and uh, I asked my wife, she played volleyball. So she's a college athlete. And she was like, our coach would have killed us if we did that. She would have had us running stadium steps all day long. And so then, of course, I don't sleep all night long. Uh, we had a game the very next day. So I called them to midcourt. Uh, I asked who were the guys that I waved to in the elevator. They all took responsibility, raised their hand. I said, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get on your hands and your teammates are going to hold your legs and you're going to walk on your hands all the way up the stadium steps to that service elevator. And then you're going to come back down to half court. So it took them probably 15 minutes to do it. We finished shoot around. None of our guys could even hit rim because their shoulders and arms were so tired. And so I'm leaving there and I'm like, all right, you know, we, I probably just lost this game for us, but I brought the guys in and I was like, do you know why I made you, you know, do that? And they're, they're like, no, you're crazy. You know? And I was like, no, it's because we don't take shortcuts. Like those elevators are for our trainers who are carrying Gatorade and crutches, you know, down to the floor. They're for people who cannot walk, uh, you know, and they have to use an elevator. They're for, you know, people that are carrying a bunch of stuff. They're not for division one elite level athletes. And if you've, if you're so mentally broke down that you feel you have to take an elevator to go down one flight of stairs, I said, we've already lost the game. We might as well not even play. And so we actually, we ended up winning that game. And from that point forward, you know, it became a hashtag and it became something that we talked about. And, you know, there's many, many more stories of incidences where our guys did take the shortcut and then we get our butts beat, you know, and then we bring it back and we're like, that's not who we are. So, you know, our guys have done a pretty good job of it. I'm sure they have took some elevators from time to time, but it's why, you know, we don't have an undefeated record right now. And there's some, uh, you know, blips on the screen, but I think overall we do have a kind of a blue collar, take the stairs mentality. And that for me, like that's the only way our teams are going to be successful. I don't know how to coach any other way. So if we don't have that attitude, that mindset, you know, we're just not going to be successful. So I, I do believe our guys have bought in and this has been a great group of uh, guys to coach here. You know, that's so interesting. I, I love hearing the the backstories because there's always a backstory to a slogan or a mantra or a, a coach's adage. You know, you, you mentioned that blue collar mentality and they always say that teams take on the personalities of their coaches. Is that kind of how you would sort of describe yourself as a, as a hardworking, greedy, oh, sure. sort of blue collar guy? Yeah, I mean, I was never that talented every year uh, that I played Division One basketball, you know, even junior college. I can remember the junior college coaches, you know, bringing the recruits in and talking to them about how they, they were going to be the starters and I wasn't mentioned. And then, you know, Buzz Williams was a assistant coach. I played for him and, you know, him and the staff saying, you know, they got to sign guys that, you know, basically they were saying they had to sign guys that were better than me. And, you know, every year I would end up kind of, you know, outworking them and finding a way to stay in the lineup. And my junior and senior year, I played like 32, 33 minutes a game. And, you know, wasn't that talented. I could hit shots. I could set screens. I could pass the ball into the post. 
and I could work hard and, uh, you know, play with toughness. And so, um, you know, that, that's who I am. And, and I do think you're right. I think, you know, as a coach, you have to, you have to recruit guys that fit your personality. Uh, you, you can maybe have one or two that are a little bit different, but if I have a team full of guys that, you know, believe in taking shortcuts and just out talenting the other team, we're not going to be very successful. So we do have very talented guys on, on our team. Don't get me wrong, but I think our guys have the right mentality. And, and uh, you know, I think the more that we get continue to get guys that have that mentality, uh, the more success that we're going to have as a program. For you, you mentioned Buzz Williams. You also spent a, a stint on Jamie Dixon's staff at TCU. You know, for co- in coaching, it, it's such a, a whirlwind business. It seems like, you know, you're either here, you're there, you're everywhere, you know, maybe a different spot each year. But for you personally, how much, I guess, how beneficial was it to your coaching career to be able to spend time around guys like that? Yeah, it was very beneficial. That year uh, at TCU was awesome. Uh, you know, not having the pressure and the the stress of you lose a game you got to talk to boosters donors answer to the media you know you could still have your competitive juices going because you want to win every game but you know that 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 was a good year to just kind of get rejuvenated uh you know coach dixon was a great guy to work for except uh within two two months i think i convinced thomas uh monagill on staff to print up some take the stairs tcu shirts and then i'm wearing it in practice i don't know if you know coach dixon but he has a dry sense of humor and he's like huh you've been here for two months two months and you already got a hashtag huh i already got a t-shirt <laughs> but you know I, I learned a lot from him uh you know how he would just kind of speak into the guys and like it was no matter what the scenario no matter how bad it was he always was speaking that we were going to be successful you know and and just the way he went about it he didn't he didn't try and trick anybody every day in the in practice was pretty much the same thing but then you could see how what he was doing in practice would translate to the court and so uh you know i have a ton of respect for him obviously you can see the job he's doing this year they're one of the top 10 teams in the country. And uh, yeah, it was, it, it, it was a great, great learning experience. And I'm forever thankful to Coach Dixon for that opportunity. When you were hired at Troy, you said in your introductory press conference, I want to make sure I get this quote right, that Troy has a gym with facilities and their program. So for those that maybe don't know or aren't familiar with the fans of Troy, the community of Troy, what's it like coaching Troy men's basketball? Yeah, I mean, we love it. It's uh, very, very different from where I was previously. Uh, You know, this is a college town. So like football games, you know, they're packed. People are tailgating. There's RVs, you know, camping out the night before. There's 25,000 at the football games. Uh, You know, every restaurant you go in, somebody's got on the power of tea. So like everything kind of revolves around it. And so you know, there's excitement because of the football team and what they were able to accomplish. Obviously, Coach Rigby's won for years. Uh, you know, Josh and the volleyball team has, has been winning. Skyler's been win. you know, got got the thing going with the baseball team. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of success last year. So there's a ton of excitement in Troy. But yeah, I mean, the, the people of Troy are very, very loyal uh, to Troy University. And so everybody in Alabama kind of has an allegiance to Alabama or Auburn, except for the people that are fans of Troy and, and live here in Troy. And, 
you know, they have a one track mind. It's Troy all the way. And so uh, it's a great place to be. I mean, I, I love it here. It's a great, uh, I, I guess, group of five school is what we like to, to term ourselves. And obviously the football conference is uh, the best group of five. And, you know, for Troy to end up uh, top 25 in the country, I mean, that speaks volumes to how good uh, the football program is. I'll put you on the spot and I don't want to get you in trouble because I know Learfield or corporate partnership sometimes controls this, but where's your favorite place to eat in Troy, Alabama? Uh, I mean, there, we, we have, you know, quite a few, uh, you know, I would say probably the one where we've gone to the most recently would be probably Los Hermanos because, uh, we grew up in Texas and so we're Mexican food fans. And so, uh, you know, that's one. But I mean, there's there's so many places that uh, that we go to. I mean, we definitely uh, we, we, we spend our share of money in the restaurants here at Troy. Uh, my boys love to eat and there, there's definitely some good ones here. There was a lot of talk the the last couple of years, and especially with realignment this year with basketball that, you know, oh, hey, the Sun Belt historically hasn't been a strong league. I think this year has definitely disproven that. But as a coach, in the Sun Belt, for those that may not understand, just how tough of a league is it to win in the Sun Belt Conference? Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, I, I'd like to go back and see where it stacks up since the very first year that I was in the league. But I would have to say, you know, just me being a part of it, that this is the best the league's been from top to bottom. Um, you know, I know back in uh, 2014, 15, 15, 16, that 15, 16, I think, and uh, 16, 17, I remember, you know, the top five programs being really, really good, but maybe not as much, you know, the lower end. But like here, I mean, first place through last place, I mean, it's a two game separation or three game separation. And so, you know, on any given night, you better be ready to play. But you can see because, you know, right before the Sunbelt conference season started, we had five teams that were in the top 100. I remember talking on the strategic basketball committee and Keith Gill saying, you know, we need to have one that finishes the year top 100. You know, that's our first goal. Well, you know, for us to have five by the time conference, you know, was rolling around, that speaks volumes. The problem is, is we beat each other up so much that, you know, then it starts to drop down. I think if those, you know, top five teams were, you know, 16 and two, 15 and three, they would still be, you know, top 50 or 60 in the, in, in the country. But unfortunately, uh, you know, you can play the last place team and, and get beat on your home court because there's so much parity in our league. Yeah, top to bottom, it's it's really fun. I, uh, I'm fortunate to do some freelance broadcasting and to see some of these games up close and personal. It, it's uh, they, putting the fun in fun belt, I'll tell you that much. Um, one last thing for you, Coach, and keeping in that same vein of, of, you know, tough conference, what's maybe one thing your team needs to do, either improve upon, do better, if to win the Sun Belt regular season title? Yeah, I would say there's two main things, take care of the basketball and do a better job, uh, especially defensive rebounding. I think those are the two things that we have to do a better job of. I think, uh, you know, I mean, we need to be better offensive rebounding, but at the same time, our defense is so good that we could probably get by not doing a whole lot better. But we have to we have to clean it up and get, you know, 70 percent of our defensive rebounds. And then, 
you know, the turnover numbers have to drop down. When we're, you know, 18 assists, 10 or 12 turnovers, we're probably winning that game. So that, that that's where we need to be, try and get that turnover to, you know, 12 or less and, uh, you know, do a little bit better job rebounding the ball. That's Scott Cross, head coach of Troy men's basketball. His Trojans will face the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana coming up this week. Coach Cross, thanks for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. His Trojans on the road Thursday night, a 7 p.m. tip-off against Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. And as we take a look around the Sunbelt Conference men's side of things, some big games to be played this weekend. Perhaps, though, none bigger on this weekend's slate than the Saturday night matchup between Georgia Southern and Louisiana. That'll be played down at the Cajun Dome in Lafayette, a 7 p.m. tip-off. Look back to the standings. Louisiana tied for first. Georgia Southern right now locked up with Troy and ULM at 5-3 and three in a three-way tie for the fourth-place spot. Georgia Southern, another team that has outperformed expectations this year. 12-9 and nine overall, but they've done the crux of their damage during conference play. Remember, earlier this year, Georgia Southern beat Marshall down in Statesboro. So this is a chance for the Eagles to really keep pace, perhaps. And that will be such a fun matchup. Such a clash of styles as well. You look at a Louisiana team coached by Bob Marlin. Their scoring offense has been incredible, averaging 80 points per game on the season, 25th highest in the country. Meanwhile, Brian Berg's bunch tied for 70th nationally in scoring defense. They allow just 65 points per game. And as we switch over to the Ken Palm stats, possession length as well. Louisiana, a whole 2.5 seconds shorter on their average possession length than Georgia Southern. Eagles more of a slow half-court team where, as Louisiana wants to push the pace, led by the Arizona transfer Jordan Brown, who has had another great year. Brown, the preseason player of the year in the Sun Belt Conference. Georgia Southern at Louisiana, my game of the weekend to watch. And I'll give you a key to look out for. I think this game's going to be one on the glass because Louisiana has the 73rd highest offensive rebounding percentage of any team in the country. They pulled down an offensive board on 32.5% of attempts. Meanwhile, Georgia Southern allows the 90th lowest offensive rebounding percentage. Their opponent's only pulling down an offensive board 26% of the time. So whoever can control the offensive glass, get those second-chance opportunities, that should be the deciding factor on Saturday night between Louisiana and Georgia Southern. An 8 p.m. Eastern tip-off, 7 p.m. Central. You can catch that on ESPN+. Shifting over to the bracketology, Joe Lenardi has released his latest bracketology on ESPN.com. Right now, Lenardi has Marshall as his favorite to win the Sunbelt's auto bid and go to the NCAA tournament. Lenardi has Marshall with a 13 seed. Thundering Herd would go to Albany to take on Xavier, the automatic qualifier out of the Big East, a 4-13 matchup. Duke-Kent State in that Albany area as well, 5-12. Marshall right now seems to be a lot of the pundits' favorites to win the Sunbelt Conference. As mentioned Right now, it seems like that three-horse race between Southern Miss, Marshall, and Louisiana. The Thundering Herd, though, have had a fantastic year as well. 12 wins a season ago, plus five win improvement already, and a lot of it's done, as we talked about last week, thanks to 
Tavion Kinsey, who leads the Sun Belt in scoring, Andrew Taylor, who leads the Sun Belt in steals, and then Micah Handlogden, the freshman seven-footer, who leads the Sun Belt in blocks, actually leads all freshmen nationally in shot blocks. Andy Katz from NCAA.com slash Turner slash TNT also released his latest bracketology. He has Marshall slotted in as a 12 seed, and there's an important designation there between the 12 and the 13 seed. You look at the history of 12 seed over 5 seed upsets, there have actually been 52 of those all time in the NCAA tournament, and a 12 seed has advanced to the next round in 31 of the last 36 years. Compare that to 13 over 4 upsets. That's happened only 31% of the time, actually 14 percentage points less likely than a 12 over 5 upset. But I think all of this just goes to show you just how highly regarded is the Sunbelt conferences in men's basketball this year compared to the last couple of years. I talked about this in my weekly Sunbelt slant column on fansided.com. Last year, Ken Pomroy had the Sunbelt graded as his 17th best conference in America out of 32. This year, that's up to 14. And I know that seems like a marginal difference for a lot of people, but you look at that improvement and how it's reflected in the seedings. Last year, App State made, sure, an improbable run, won it, ended up as a 16 seed in the first four. Prior to that, Georgia Southern, a 14 seed in 2019. They were a 15 seed in 2018. Texas Southern was a 16 seed in 2017. If Marshall gets a 12 seed, or whoever the league's winner is gets a 12 seed, it'd actually be the first time since 2016 that the Sun Belt champion was as high as 12. Little Rock was a 12 seed that year. They upset number five, Purdue. But again, it just goes to show you that the Sun Belt has improved, and that's positioning its champion for a better shot at winning at least a game in the NCAA tournament. Those improbable Cinderella stories like St. Peter's last year or UMBC a couple of years ago as a 16 seed over Virginia. They've happened, but they're very, very, very unlikely to happen. So if you can get a 12 seed, a 13 seed, that boosts your chances a little bit to to get on to the next round. And especially as we just rattled off those stats, I mean, 31 of the last 36 years, a 12 seed has made it to at least the second round, including twice last year. I mean, those numbers speak for themselves. It just goes to show you that the Sun Belt's on the up and up. Before we switch gears to Sunbelt women's basketball, I want to give a tip of the cap to Coastal Carolina's SM Mustafa. 14 double-doubles this year leads the Sunbelt in double-doubles, and in fact, his 14 are double the amount of the next closest player, Micah Handlogden, who has seven. That's also eclipsed his single-season career mark. He had 13 last year. Sure, Coastal hasn't had much success, just 10 and 10 and coming off that ugly loss against Chicago State, who, as a quick little aside, a great showing for Chicago State on Wednesday night on the road at Stanford. They started the week in Conway, had to travel all the way across the country, had a chance to see the Cougars earlier this year, uh, called their, their game against Marshall and Huntington. And listen, Chicago State, they gave Marshall a pretty good fight. Those Cougars can play. But getting back to Mustafa and Coastal Carolina, yeah, Coastal hasn't had a lot of success this year. Just 10 and 10. But Mustafa has been the bright spot. He's rattled off three straight double-doubles, done so in six of his last eight games. Third in the country in double-doubles. 
just behind Purdue's Zach Eady and Joel Soriano at St. John's. So impressive performance this season for the redshirt junior SM Mostafa. His stock has definitely jumped up and really excited to see what he does the rest of this year and beyond. Switching gears now to Sunbelt women's basketball, and it was an exciting slate of games over on the women's side this past weekend. Things are starting to take shape as we head to the midway point of the year. James Madison, after a huge win against Troy, the defending regular season champions in the Sun Belt, the Dukes grind out a win at home against Shanda Rigby's Trojans and JMU. Alone in first place atop the Sun Belt Conference, seven and one. Southern Miss and Troy tied for second, six and two. Southern Miss suffered a surprising one-point loss in Huntington over the weekend. The Golden Eagles had a chance to keep pace with JMU. Georgia Southern right behind them, five and three. They've won back-to-back games. You have to love what JMU has done this year. They actually lost earlier this weekend. The nation's fourth longest win streak dissolved at the hands of Anita Howard's Georgia Southern Eagles. But Sean O'Regan's bunch really responded in that game against Troy. The Trojans, just a furious rally at the end of the game, cut the deficit down to two under 90 seconds to go. And then JMU was able to extend it back to seven with free throws. But Makaya Holman, back-to-back threes with just seconds left to make it a one-point JMU lead who the Dukes were able to just dribble out the clock and secure the win. And we are extremely pleased to have JMU's head coach Sean O'Regan on the pod. Talked a lot about his Dukes over the course of this podcast and so glad to finally have the man in charge on the Under the Sun podcast. Coach, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Your Dukes are having a great season and I know, you know, wanting to keep up with that. So I appreciate your time. We'll go ahead and dive right into it, Coach, because like I mentioned, your Dukes are having a fantastic year. You sit alone at the top of the Sunbelt women's standings, a huge win against Troy this past weekend. What are you most proud of about the way this year's team has tackled a new league? Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll start off by saying uh, those ladies down at Troy are not an easy feat to tackle. Coach, I've known Coach Rigby a long time since she was at Pensacola, um, and, and um, you know, I, I really respect what she's got going there. I mean, that, that is um, that's a high major basketball team in my mind, and uh, I, w- I was really proud of, of how our kids came out in battle. But um, it certainly, uh, you know, that, they, they they certainly etched a little uh, memory in my mind uh, <laughs> watching them on film, keeping me up at night. But uh, th- this year's team, what I've really been impressed with is, is just the. Um, the togetherness, right, and the, and the unselfishness that comes with that, uh, especially over time. And I thought we were we were great, right, in October, uh, early November. And I always worried um, how when when it when those statistics come out and you look at points and you look at shots and you look at minutes, um, how a team you know responds to that because you know there's expect everybody has expectations, mm-hmm. right? And so this team has been. Um, I think overly special in their sacrifice for each other, uh, in, in trying to just, you know, um, keep, keep the main thing, the main thing, which is finding a way to win a game. Um, and so I, I've really, really been impressed with, with, with this group in regards to that. And I think that's in this day and age is really hard. Um, and that's why I think this group can be special because, uh, they, they do have that selflessness. So I, I think if I can give you one thing, 
Um, that that would be it. Um, you know, I'm proud of our team in a lot of other ways, but certainly that that's the underlying theme is, um, you know, just just being on a mission for for each other, finding a way to win a game. I was reading an article uh, in the Richmond Times Dispatch earlier this week, and it said your mantra as a coach is defend, rebound, run in that order. I, I'm curious, where did that mantra come from? Um, you know what? I, I, I think I can give credit to um, she's now the head coach at Illinois, um, Shauna Green. And, uh, you know, Shauna, myself um, and four other coaches, um, when I got the job in 2016, I, I wanted to get a, like a kind of a peer group that was going through the same stage um, that, that I was going to go through. So, you know, I made a list of every everybody that got the job in 2016 and they ha- it had to be their first head coaching job. Wow. Um, so Sean Green, um, Fred Castro at Eastern Michigan, uh, Cameron Whitaker at Northern Kentucky, Kim Rosemont at Tennessee Tech, and Megan Griffith at, at Columbia. So, you know, we kind of got together um, and started having like little little retreats um, just to share ideas and share stories and kind of um, help each other where, where we needed it. And so um, Shauna, Shauna really helped me with that with that mantra. Um and I think it's great, and, and it really, um, it's really the personality of our team. You know, if we're if we're if we're able to defend and, and come up with a clean rebound, then we can play the tempo we want to play. Um, and you know, it's it's hard. You know, I think it's hard for groups to buy into that sometimes because, you know, as a as a young as a young player, you don't you don't necessarily want defense first all the time, right? You, you know, you you've learned you got to where you got to today because you could score twenty five in a game, wherever. So, um, but that, that's definitely um, Sean Sean Green deserves some credit in getting that going with me. She probably uses that to this day too. Um, and it, it's it's I think it's um, something I've really hung my hat on as a head coach. The Dukes right now allowing 62.5 points per game during conference play. That ranks fourth best in the league. Coach, your team has shown that it's deep as well. You look at the stats, you have uh, you have Kiki Jefferson leading the way, averaging almost 18 points per game, but then McDaniel, Kozlova averaging double figures, uh, Hazel averaging 9.2. You know, you have a lot of players that contribute. How crucial is having that depth? Yeah, it's been, it's been a big uh, it's been a big game changer for us this year. Last year we did not have that. Um, you know, Peyton McDaniel was out for the year. Claire Neff got hurt in January and was was out for the rest of the year. Um, we had you know we didn't have the depth at at, at, at post that we do right now. And so um, I, I love what we have. And it's um, as a coach, I think a lot of the time you're you're, you're looking into what happens, you know, if they, if this happens during the game, what's my solution. Right. So that, that's kind of your job, right. It's like almost like risk, <laughs> risk aversion. Um, and, and so for me, you know, our depth has really kept me, um, at a calm, you know, if, if we, if, you know, Jamia Hazel got in foul trouble against Troy, it was like, all right, next woman up here. Right. So, so we'll go with Kobe King, uh, who, who's been good for us and, and, and coming back from injury and, and come back from her, her, um, her time off in the fall semester, um, those sort of things just just really help. Um, and it, sometimes it's foul trouble. Sometimes somebody doesn't have it, and, and we've got we've got somebody ready in reserve um, right there to, to help us succeed in some way. So um, the depth has been great. Um, sharing the ball has been great. And, and actually, uh, our local newspaper asked me today. Um, you know, Kiki went down in, in Georgia Southern, um, and you know. To me, last year, that was like we had no chance to win the game if she was out for a quarter and a half. Um, 
And so this year, you know, uh, she ended up coming back in the fourth, but um, our, our group is, is talented enough with our depth um, that, that we're able to um, not put it all on Kiki's shoulders. And that's something, something I'm really proud of. And, you know, as much as Kiki would love to score 30 points a game, I think it's a relief to her that it's not on her shoulders every night to have to score 25 points a game. I think that's a, that's a tough, unrealistic pressure for a 20 year old. Um, so yeah, I, I've been really pleased with it. And again, that's, that's part of the buy-in, right? Mm-hmm. Who's finishing a game. I can only pick five to play the last two minutes of the game. So right. um, the, the other, the other 10, um, have to have to be bought into to my decision and, and whatever it takes. And so um, that's why I've been really pleased with this group. You talk about Kiki Jefferson. Last week she was named to the Becky Hammond uh, Mid-Major Player of the Year Award watch list. But her not having to shoulder so much of the load, how are you seeing her maybe round out other portions of her game this year? Yeah, great question. Um, and, and that's exactly what she's done. Um, you know, uh, Coastal Carolina is obviously on my mind because that's who we play next. But uh, I'm watching that game, and as I'm watching it, you know, I'm like, and she's she's playing pretty well, but she's not, you know, she's not scoring a whole lot. And I look at the, the box score, right? We'd already played, but I hadn't looked at the box score, and she's got 20, 10, and 8. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and no turnovers. And it's like, yeah, that that's how. <laughs> last, <laughs> last year, that you know, the 20 and 10 happened last year, but the, the eight assists just wasn't wasn't part of maybe maybe not part of her game, but our team's game, right? It wasn't, um, you know, I think she's developed that part of her game as far as getting people good shots. But, um, you know, I think the pieces around her have also improved um, that they can knock down some of those shots. Um, but everything, I mean, I think she's a, I think she's as much of a superstar as I've coached. Um and you know she she does she does it all for us with with being the first name on the, on everybody's scout report, and that's you know I think that gets tougher over time. It's like a, a joke about it, right? It's like one of those old video games where level one is the easy level. Well, once you get to level twenty five, it's real hard, you know. And so um, I think she's just she's just gaining strength with every level that she succeeds at, and and uh, she's certainly done that with with her assist to turnover ratio. Um, the way it is right now, and, and if I'm not mistaken, 67:45 for for a, for a kid who's you know is going to get denied here on Thursday, right? So um, it's just really impressive the, the strength, the mental strength she's been able to to show our 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 team and and you know our community too. So I've been really proud of her. I'm glad you brought up the community because, you know, I think it's so interesting. You know, JMU, obviously, as an athletic department, had a lot of success at the CAA. But, you know, the football team comes in. They basically are de facto East Division champions by beating Coastal at the end of the year. Men's basketball had a great start. And they've, you know, they had a little skid. They've righted the ship. You all have, have played fantastic. You know, women's soccer, men's soccer, volleyball all had fall success. What's it like being part of this JMU athletic department as you all? Are not storming onto the scene, but you, you've surprised a lot of people that didn't know about JMU. Sure. Uh, well, you know, I, I do think I think Jeff Bourne deserves a lot of credit with that. You, you know, our, our athletic director. Um, you know, he's a uh, he's super competitive and he holds a really high standard, um, and he gives us everything we need uh, to succeed. I mean, our, our facility is 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 off the charts. Our facility, I think, is is you know in the conversation with one of the better facilities in the whole country and so 
uh, you know, those little things, they help. You know, we feel very supported um, from our administration. We feel very, very supported with our community. Um, you know, for our community to come out and give us the, the best home crowd we've had all year in our chore matchup. And so what, what does that say? They understand the meaning, right? They understand the, the value of a, of a filled arena. Um, and it gives us an, an advantage. So, um, you know, I can, I can really only speak uh, for women's basketball, but it's, I think it's one of the better places to play women's basketball in the country because of that, right? You're supported in so many levels. Um, you know, Coach Byington, you know, certainly respects us. It's not like, Hey, you, hey, we're going to practice three to eight. You guys, the women, they can figure it out whenever you can practice in the morning. No, like we're, we're treated, we're treated the way we should be treated here. Um, but our athletic department as a whole, yeah, I have a, I have a, um, <laughs> sign in my office and I got it from Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. Hey, the standard is a standard, right. right? It's like, that's, that's what we, that's what we want to do here. And so, um, that that's, you know, if you don't want that standard, this, this is not the place for you. Um, and, and for me, that that's what I want. I, you know, there's nothing more you want to do than 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 compete and 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 put yourself in a position to win the game. And so, um, I've been really proud about how we started. But you know as well as I do, uh, ten games left. I mean, you have to fight for each and every one of those because what I've learned a lot about this league, it's not it's not easy. And I and I, I wish. Um, I wish the net reflected that a little bit more because um, yeah. it, it, it doesn't, but um, man, it's every, every game is to me a, a very, very formidable challenge. Um, and, you know, we found ways to, to win, but you know, we're not, we're not beating people at 35 here. So, um, you know, there's some, there's some really good coaches, some really good players. Um, and, and I, I hope, I hope the league um, kind of rises the way I, I hope it will. Um, but I really, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very hopeful for that. For you, you spent nine years as an assistant coach with this JMU team under the direction of Kenny Brooks. Um, I know I was reading an article that was written when you were first named the coach, talking about how just how much you credit Coach Brooks. Uh, how beneficial was it uh, being on the staff under Coach Brooks? I mean, he taught me. He taught me uh, near nearly everything I know. Uh, that that's not that's not an exaggeration. Um, you know, when I was, a when I was a manager here for, for the, I was a manager for the JMU men's team and he was, a, he was an assistant for the men's team then. So that, that's, that's, he was three out of my, my four years as an undergrad. And then my senior year, he flipped to the women's side. And I, I, you know, at the time, very honest, I thought he was crazy. I was like, why would he do that? You know, why was he go coach the women's side, the men's side, you know? And, you know, then I went out to Evansville and I coached for four years. And I, I learned a lot out there from Steve Murfeld and, and Jason Zerman, Kareem Richardson. And, and there's some really, really good people. Um, but when we came back, you know, Kenny asked me to come back um, and coach on the women's side. And I was a little unsure, but he, he basically convinced me to try it. Uh, and I fell in love with it. But um, he, he is an absolutely um, top-notch leader. And, and regardless of coach, right? It's like that, that's what makes him, I think really special is, um, people want to play for him. Um, and, and they, they'll do, they'll do anything to show him that. And, and, and he's a, he's an absolute top notch leader. Um, and then you throw in, you know, kind of his, uh, a basketball mind offensively, especially, um, I went down to watch them practice, um, this year. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to steal that play. I'm going to steal that play. Can I steal that play? Um, and we were texting about it just a couple of weeks ago. It's like, 
um, he texted me. He said, I stole this from you. And I texted him. I said, well, I stole this from you. Um, so he, he's, he just, I think he's got an incredible basketball mind. He's an incredible leader. Um, and he, he, you know, he, he gave me so much, uh, he gave me so much experience. He gave me so many, um, uh, so much advice, um, and watching him deal with countless player meetings, which is probably the toughest part of this whole thing. Um, you know, keeping, keeping players bought into this and ha- what, what those conversations are, um, you know, that's, that's the value. I mean, the, the X's and all, sure, absolutely. But, um, it doesn't mean anything if you don't know how to relate to people and your players. And he, he taught me so much about that. So for, for, forever indebted to him. And that's a fact. Um, and you know, you know, when you take over the program, you try to make it your own, right. but you can't, you can't help but carry what your, what your mentor taught you. Right. So it's, it's, yeah, I can try to make it my own, but it's going to have, it would be late. It's going to be laced with Kenny Brooks till the end of time, you know, and, and, <laughs> Hall of Famer, you know, it was great to see him get inducted last, last year. And, um, you know, uh, I just, I guess so much respect to him and, and I hope, I really hope, and I can shout it out right here. I hope he, I hope he gets an ACC title because, uh, he's put himself in position to do that at a, at a, at a school that, that, you know, kind of hit, um, hit a, hit a valley, so to speak. Right. And he's totally revived that program. So I got, I, I owe him a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked you earlier about what it's like to be part of the JMU athletic department, but you know, you're guiding a team that, you know, fourth winningest team of all time, you know, WNBA players, Meredith Alexis, you know, just to name one of them over a thousand all time wins. I feel like when people talk about women's college basketball, they focus so much on the top-heavy nature of it, you know, the Yukons, the Tennessees. But, you know, JMU has a very special women's basketball history. You know, what, what's that like being part of that? Yeah, it's, it's really pretty cool. Um, you know, and, and, and something I didn't know, you know, and, and every recruit, right, we, we tell that to they always have the same kind of reaction. It's like, Oh, wow. Like, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're, I guess, fourth all time, you know, Tennessee, Connecticut, right. It's like that you're in a, you're in a great conversation. Now, some of that is because we've won a lot recently and we, we won a lot with Kenny. We won a lot with Sheila Mormon, um, in the, in the eighties and early nineties. Um, and some of it is that, yeah, we started playing basketball in the (laughs) twenties. So (laughs) it's twofold, but, um, you can't sustain that, that, you know, third, fourth, whatever we are without, without still winning now. And so, um, you know, for me, there's just so much tradition, um, and so much pride around here. Right. And so, you know, having alumni come back or drop you a note, um, and they're watching and it, it's, it's a really, it's a really cool thing, but, um, I think it's, it's a big testament to how we're treated. Right. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of that lately um, with women's basketball and what at WNBA or, or the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago where the weight rooms were different, but like we're, we're treated like a high level team. And that, that, I think that's a, a big reason for our success. So standard is a standard, man. You got <laughs> you got to keep winning and compete for championships. And that that's the standard here. And that's, that's what I want it to be. But um, it's very cool to have the tradition behind it all. Mm-hmm. Earlier this year, uh, in that same Richmond Times Dispatch article I referenced, you said we have a chance to win a championship. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What does your team need to do this these last handful of weeks in order to win the regular season title? Uh, well, a couple things, and you know, I'm going to give you a, a, a funny uh, 
generic answer. We got defend, <laughs> defend, rebound, run, baby. No. Uh, that 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 really is what it is, though, right? So so you know, for us, we've got to stay focused on what got us here. Um, and I think we we just lost to Georgia Southern, you know, on Thursday, and I think that was a good kind of um, reminder of you can't take anything for granted, and you've got to, you know, we're still earning respect in, in my mind, and so um, you know, for for me. You have a, a a pretty a pretty rough year last year, very very unlike us type of year, and you come out of that, and the Sun Belt um, picks you sixth. Well, so there's respect to be earned, and I think that's always that's been motivating us throughout the year. Um, and and you know, I guess so. We're first in the standings right now. It, that doesn't mean anything. We still got way more respect to earn, and I think you're going to be earning that respect until the buzzer goes off. Um, down in Pensacola in my mind and so can you can you win 10 games in a row um no you can't do that you have to you have to beat Coastal Carolina in the first five minutes right and that's I know that's that's coach talk right and that's that's little goals but that's that's where the focus needs to lie is is preparing yourself today what do we have to do to get ready to go right and those so those little things and kind of keep your eyes forward but right in front of you in that in that kind of present moment so um, for me, if you talk statistically, one of the things we have to do, we have to rebound. I think this league is a really, really good rebounding league. And, you know, I think um, I've said it before kind of around here is that, you know, the glass will set you free. You know, if you, if you can dominate the game on the glass, I think it dictates our tempo. Uh, I think it dictates the toughness in the game, the aggressiveness in the game, and it definitely reflects that. And so, you know, for me, the one game we've lost in conference, we got our butt kicked. We got our rebound at 50 37. Like that to me is like, it says everything. And, and you still, you know, the game is tied with, mm-hmm. with whatever, 14 seconds to go. But, um, you know, it, I don't, it wouldn't be if, if we, if we had out rebounded Georgia Southern by 15 ourselves. So, um, rebounding would be key. But, you know, defensively, that's, that's, you know, I, I really, that, that mantra, that, that will be it. We got, we've got to be able to, one of the things I pride myself, um, it's not necessarily defensive points per game, but um, defensive field goal percentage is a big thing for me, and and three point um, defensive three point percentage. So those two things, uh, if you can properly rebound on the defensive end, those are the two stats that matter the most for me. Um, because if you look, we're last in steals, and I don't care. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not, you know, out in passing lanes. We're not gambling a whole lot. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna make you work for each shot, contest it, and hopefully be in good rebounding position. Um, so that's a long answer to your question. Mm-hmm. But if you can defend and rebound, you can win games that you score eighty five, and you can win games that you score sixty one. But that the, the defense and rebounding they, they have to be the cornerstones of of what our focus is. I like that. The glass will set you free. I might borrow that. I'll, I'll give I'll give proper credit, but I might borrow that one. It will, man. It will set you free. It will set you free. Well, Coach, thank you for your time. The JMU Dukes will play four of their next six on the road. Big road stretch coming up. Coach, I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. I gave you one last week. I'm going to give you another one again this week. My game to watch on the Sun Belt women's side of things. And again, we're going to look ahead to Saturday 
Georgia Southern at Troy, a 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern tip-off down in Troy, Alabama. That should be such a chess match coaching-wise between Shanda Rigby and Anita Howard. Been fortunate to have both of those coaches on our podcast. And if you like offense, this is the game for you. The Georgia Southern Eagles' third highest scoring offense in the country Troy Trojans, ninth highest scoring offense. Uh, Leave your defense at home. This is going to be a battle of two talented offensive teams. Had a chance to see Troy up close and personal last Thursday when they played Marshall. A great individual matchup set to take place as well because Taryn Ward averaging 19.3 points per game for Georgia Southern. She's the Sun Belt's leading scorer. Troy's Nia Daniel averages 14 points per game. That's seventh best in the Sun Belt. The Trojans actually have two of the top 10 players in terms of points per game average. The aforementioned Micaiah Hallman and Nia Daniel, both of them averaging 14 points per game. That that should be such a great game. As a reminder, 5 p.m. Eastern time tip-off between Georgia Southern and Troy down in Troy, Alabama on Saturday afternoon. You can catch that one on ESPN+. Before we finish up our podcast today, we told you we'd look at the bracketology from ESPN's Charlie Cream, and we'll do that right now. A chance to look at where Charlie Cream has the Sun Belt AQ slotted. Cream has JMU as a 14 seed. Heading to College Park to take on third seeded Maryland. Baylor, a six seed, 11 Washington State, also in that portion of the bracket as well. Even when the Dukes at times were tied atop the Sun Belt standings, JMU seems to be the really popular pick right now to win the Sunbelt Conference Tournament later on this year. Precarious stretch of games, though, coming up for these Dukes. They'll play four straight on the road and seven of their final ten away from Harrisonburg. But I said it in my weekly Sunbelt Slant column on Fansided. If JMU can come out of that stretch unscathed, my personal opinion is that JMU will be dancing. I mean, that is a grueling, grinding stretch to have to play seven of your last 10 regular season games away from home and then immediately switch gears and go on the road down to a neutral site in Pensacola and have to win three straight games to clinch the auto bid, to go to the NCAA tournament. JMU, though, right now at 7-1, and well-positioned to go dancing and head to the NCAA tournament. Just about time to wrap things up here on the Under the Sun podcast. Before we go, we did not forget, it's time for our Her Hoop Stats stat of the pod. As a quick reminder, Her Hoop Stats specializes in advanced analytics for both women's college basketball and the WNBA They've been in existence since 2017. They have free options. They have subscription-based options. Check it out if you're a broadcaster or just a fan of women's college basketball or women's professional basketball. Our Her Hoop Stats stat of the pod goes to the Mountaineers of App State. They lead right now the Sun Belt Conference in three-pointers made per game against D1 foes. App State averaging 7.4 three-pointers made per game this season. more per game than Georgia Southern, the next closest team. App State gets our Her Hoop Stats stat of the pod. A couple of big games this weekend for the Mountaineers, who are 8-11 overall, trying to get back to 500 and also keep pace in the Sun Belt standings. Three-pointers have been crucial for App State, third in the Sun Belt Conference during league play in three-point percentage. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Under the Sun podcast, where we cover everything 
under the sun as it relates to Sunbelt men's and women's basketball. I'd like to thank our guests this week, Troy Scott Cross, Sean O'Regan from JMU Women's Basketball for jumping on. Should be an exciting weekend of Sunbelt basketball, and we'll be back here next Thursday to break down the week that was. We'll see you around. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Under the Sun. 